Isn't it funny how some people go out of their way to help others when others just fire them? Welcome to this episode of Game On Girl, the podcast where we talk about gender and game culture. I'm your host, Regina McMenemy. And I'm your co-host, Rhonda Oglesby. In this episode, we'll be talking again with Dr. Sandy Glon, who aspires to thinking that transforms. And we're going to discuss some of the basic terms of feminism and some of the sexism we've been seeing in the news recently. And we'll wrap up with our Week in Geek with what we've been watching, reading, and playing. So stay tuned, and we're glad you're listening to Game On Girl. Dr. Sandy Glon first joined us on the show in episode 17, where we discussed the origins and evolution of gender stereotypes. Since then, Sandy has become Dr. Glon and completed her dissertation research. Hooray! Yay! Yay! Everybody cheer for Sandy! Yes! Thank you. You're welcome. Sandy continues to be a woman of many hats, including a mother, novelist, magazine editor, adjunct seminary professor, advocate for women, and women in antiquity fan. That's, you know, kind of a mouthful there. (laughs) We're so excited to have you back on the show today, Sandy. Thanks for joining us again. Very happy to be back. Has your life slowed down at all? Well, no, because the minute, (laughs) literally the, the day after I graduated, I had, now that you have free time, XYZ, and I wanted to say, I don't have free time yet because you have to put your life on hold to get a PhD. <laughs> the things that yes, I, I put on hold, like an outdated website, really, I need to get on really fast. So no, it hasn't. Yeah. And what what was your PhD in? Uh, the humanities slash aesthetic studies, not athletic studies. Not athletic. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. When I tell people my degrees in American studies, they always assume that I study politics. Really? Oh. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Everybody's like, oh, well, so you must know all about politics. And I'm like, no. Huh? Nope. Yeah. No. I had no idea what it was you were studying. <laughs> <laughs> all that humanities stuff, I, I didn't go near it. The technology made more sense, usually. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's interesting that in where I went at uh, University of Texas at Dallas, they're their technology developers in terms of gaming are actually under the humanities because it's part of story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there it's the same at um, WSU Vancouver where the digital technology and culture major is a humanities, you know, partnered with the English department. So don't run too far. Nope, no, nope. no, nope. you can't get away. <laughs> <laughs> they will come and get you. <laughs> And we'll drag you back into the feminist discussions, Rhonda. You can't get away from it. <laughs> oh, I, I don't want to. I'm <laughs> charging right into the middle of my... I, I mean, that's what makes a show exciting, Regina, when you and I argue. I know. It's always... <laughs> it's always fun I for that. I, I need in on that. Yeah. Well, we'll see if we can't get it going today. We, there, was, uh, there was one episode we had Toria on, and we didn't even know when it happened. But all of a sudden, religion got brought up, and it was like, oh, my gosh, what are we doing? <laughs> What rabbit hole have we wandered down? Yeah. It's like, who <laughs> did that? Stop it. It was Toria. We blame her. Oh, was it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah it was. She did. Every kind of sex in America, but don't bring up religion. Yeah. 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 And well, we were talking about sex. We were. Hey, yeah. That's what that was my point. We can talk about. Oh, that. yeah. Yeah. About yeah. Well, we are going to talk about some terminology and 
uh, the main thing, I believe we touched on it slightly the last time you were on Sandy, and so it's a really good time to revisit it, um, besides the fact that I think Regina had something come up with a friend of hers, but about the terms sex versus gender when you're talking about, you know, are you male or female, I guess. Uh, what 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 situation did your friend run into, Regina? Uh, well, a friend of mine is expecting her first child and she was at the doctor's office and the doctor asked her if she was going to find out the gender of her baby. Okay. Wrong. Wrong. <laughs> okay, you you guys have to explain this to me because I don't understand. Gender is a synonym for masculine and feminine, mm-hmm. feminine. Whereas sex is a synonym for male and female. Right. So he asked her if she was going to find out if her baby was masculine or feminine. Right. Which is a socially constructed idea uh-huh. about male and female bodies, but is not what you're finding out when you're looking at uh, um, ultrasound of your unborn <laughs> right. child. Of you body know, parts. Of yeah. body parts. You're looking. Or the I mean, thereof. Yes. You're literally looking to see what's hanging or not hanging. The sex, not. Right. The sex, not the gender. And so she told me the story and I was a little taken aback and I asked, because she knew the difference, and I asked if she said anything and she said no, that she didn't think it was, you know, a fight worth having. And then she proceeded to tell me that almost everybody who's asked her has asked if she's going to find out the gender of the baby. Even people who should probably know better. Probably because they're uncomfortable saying the word sex. Well, and that's what I'm wondering. I'm wondering if it, it really just comes down to the fact that people are terrified by saying sex and or if it is a, a conflation of those those two ideas that people don't really understand, as kind of Rhonda's pointing out here, what's the big deal? Aren't they the same thing? Mm-hmm. Well, and that, see, that's what I'm wondering, because if I'm not offended or taken aback by the, the use of the term, then what I'm wondering is, I mean, how long has the term gender been indoctrinated into the culture to mean masculinity or femininity is the general public just are they just ignorant or are they accepting of the the idea i don't know that it's either i think it's probably the nature of language that those of us who love the, the English language and study it, one of our frustrations is that words go and change on us. Right. Okay? Uh, I hate it when they don't have permission to do that, but they do it. Okay? <laughs> that infuriates me. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, well, even 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 profanity, for example, um, what you know, the F word uh, to me is is quite vulgar because it it takes something that I consider sacred, and it, it's just like the N word is to race to me. Mm. It's that offensive because it, in both cases you take something that is meant to be precious and you degrade it. But you know, my daughter raised raised on Eminem. Right. Uh, we we didn't buy it for, her, but her friends constantly gave it to her. In fact, including somebody in her youth group. Um, and so what? One night we looked outside and she was leaning over the fence in the backyard, yelling the f word over and over. Just just testing it out and you know what the f more and more and more it's become it's become a normal word Mm -hmm. i mean still yes kind of vulgar but it's not as vulgar as it was when say i was 15 okay yeah and i can and i probably probably the word ass is sort of similar (laughs) you know um it works on us and 
And what might have been considered shocking becomes less shocking through use. Well, people say, you know, a perfect example of where you can see this change is what's acceptable to say on television. Yeah. If you think about TV shows from even 20 years ago, they look so innocent now because nobody said half the words that people, you know, they wouldn't have said bitch back then. That's right. They you know, they wouldn't have said that on TV. That wouldn't have been okay. They can say that all the time now. People say that. They, I think they even say asshole and it's not censored. Certainly smart ass. Smart ass. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And and so on the one hand, you know, you can say we're getting more vulgar and a case can be made for that. But yeah. on the other hand, you can say language changes. And, and whereas the N word was less shocking culturally in general 30 years ago it's completely prohibited now you know as it should be i'm not mm-hmm. i'm not saying right, it should right, right it's just my point is that it's not that that we always move in the direction of pushing the envelope in terms of what's prohibited and pushing it to be allowed sometimes it's the opposite look look smoking is an example you know in the nonverbal world right you now right. go back to tv and all you know the stars would smoke and now you know it i noticed on a movie i watched the other night it was r rated and smoking was included as one of the the things that was happening. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's really interesting. So I was, I was just, re- I've been rewatching um, the show Eureka, and they have a character who ends up, you know, kind of coming forward in time with them from the 1940s. And of course, he's a big smoker, and they smoked in their offices, and it's just what people did. And it was really fascinating just to see somebody smoking on TV. I was oh, like. That. And see that very often. wow, like completely removed, you know, and, and not only that, I mean, there's a whole subplot. There's a whole episode about them trying to give him these nano uh, bites that are going to uh, cure him of his nicotine addiction. Um, that turns, of course, horribly wrong because it's Eureka and <laughs> everything goes horribly wrong in Eureka. But but the pleasure that he took from the smoking as well, where where generally now when you see smoking, even in movies, it's usually either the bad guy or it's associated with some negative uh, connotation of, of culture or interactions. And he was just like, you know, he just loved having a cigarette. And I thought that was really interesting, too, because that's sort of something that's kind of skimmed over now as well. It is. And I, so coming back to the discussion on gender, mm-hmm. I think that's sort of what's happening with, with the word. As, as I, My theory is that people are uncomfortable saying the word sex. So they use gender as a synonym mm-hmm. and so often that it does become a synonym for the word sex, which is sort of unfortunate because talking about sex differences between male and female are much is much different from talking about gender difference. Right, exactly. Exactly. You know, and one is fairly objective and one is, you know, just loaded with <laughs> cultural bias. But see, I'm, th- I'm thinking because there are like five women in the past month at work who have come up pregnant. And I know there's at least one of them I've asked if they were going to find out the sex of the baby. But now I don't know which word I used mm-hmm. because when I was thinking about it, I was thinking, well, you know, I just... Gender sounds like the delicate term. <laughs> it sounds yeah. like polite. I, I think I think yeah. it comes to that that idea. Yeah. I think that's one of the things is it sounds polite when you say it. And and if we're talking about, you know, sex maybe being a vulgar word for people to say, you feel like you're kind of crossing a boundary or going too intimately into someone's, you know, life or knowledge to say, you know, what sex is, is your, you know, are you going to find out the sex of your baby? But it's, it's the proper term. So... Yeah. You know, so besides so besides the, the the idea that, like you always say, Regina, you know, words have meaning. Mm-hmm. What's the importance of 
recognizing and sticking to the differences of these two terms. And I guess it sounds like to me it comes from the cultural implications. Right. Well, well, gender is culturally implicated. It's, you know, societal. It's it's constructed. And sex is not. Sex is biological. So some sometimes, and, and I think we've both been guilty of this in conversations we've had on the show, uh, Rhonda, where um, I think we've both kind of got caught up in discussions we're having and not realized that we were talking about sex instead of gender. When we talk mm-hmm. about the fact that men are stronger, you know, yes. upper body stronger, that's sex. That's not a discussion of gender. And we, you know, you can get lost in those terms because we do have this, you know, this attachment going on between the two words that's improper use of the real meanings. Yeah, I had a um, after one of the shows, I actually had a listener make a comment to me and called me out on that. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was a great catch. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. He was completely right. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's one of the big things that we need to sort of take note with it is, you know, they, these are different things. When you're talking about, you know, women carry babies and, you know, men don't, that's sex. It's not gender. Um, what it means to be a mom and a dad, you know, and what we think about those different par- parenting roles can be related to gender, right? Uh, Would you agree, another, Sandy? Absolutely. Another yeah. example, uh, I have two photographs. One is of an American woman up on a roof, and she's a roofer. And I asked my students, would you say most people culturally are going to say this is a feminine or a masculine job? And they say masculine. And then I whip up a picture of a Maasai woman thatching her roof, mm-hmm. and it's women's work in Maasai land. Right. And so that, there's the example of how who builds a roof is a gender difference. Right. Exactly. And we think about that with the, you know, men take out the garbage, right? Right. Women wash the dishes. Right. You know, those are, those are the things that we, the lines that we draw when we, when we talk, you know, about our own sort of cultural stereotypes. So, okay. Yeah. So I think that, I see. Does that make a little bit more sense? Yeah, it does. It definitely makes sense. I, I it was just funny because um, I'm I'm the student here, basically. <laughs> <laughs> well, good for you, Rhonda. I mean, you know, you maybe maybe most people don't know the difference, and, and maybe it, it's not that significant in, in in the grand scheme of things. But as you say, words words do have meanings, mm-hmm. and uh, I'll give you an example uh, of the word feminist. I used to say, "Well, I'm not a feminist." Because what I meant was I don't hate men. Right. But then once I learned a lot about feminism, I realized that the people were hearing me say I didn't believe in equal pay. Right. So now I say I'm not a radical feminist. (laughs) (laughs) Because that's what people think of, you know. Exactly. Uh, Yeah. That's that's the connotation that feminist has taken. It, it means that you hate men, which is, is not what feminism means. I, I went through this conversation with my cousin who came to visit me, um, I guess almost a year ago now. And I'm like, well, you know, one of the reasons why I did the podcast was because I'm a feminist and I want people to hear what I have to say. And I want these conversations to be had. And he's like, why do you want to call yourself a feminist? You don't hate men. And I'm like, that's why. So that exactly. people can understand that's not what I'm saying. That's not yeah. what I'm saying. <laughs> and that's not what it means. I had a student, actually, I, I I don't remember if I told this story last time, but it's a good story. I had a student who was writing a paper, and we were writing about uh, feminist pedagogies in class, um, and Bell Hooks, who's big about um, equality in the classroom. And she said that she had a, a women's studies teacher at our local community college tell her she couldn't be a feminist because she was a stay-at-home mom. Oh. And I was like, I'm, I'm like, 
tearing up as I'm reading this because she had she had been in the army. I mean, she had served like eight years in the in the army before she had, you know, uh, left and had a career and then settled down and had her kids and was able to stay home with them. And I was like, how can you look at someone who has, you know, put herself in an you know, one of the most openly hostile environments for women and, and tell her she's not a feminist because she wanted to stay home with her kids. And and to limit any choice for a woman. I mean, that's the, that the was whole the whole point. point. <laughs> the whole point of feminism. That's that what she wants choose. to do. Let her do exactly. it. That you could choose, that you had the choice yeah. to be able to, that you weren't told you had to do one thing over another because you were a woman. So I, 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 it wasn't for every woman to study Aristotle. It was for the woman who wanted to study Aristotle to get to study Aristotle. Exactly. To not be limited and not be and not be told no just because of your your sex, essentially, right? Because you're a woman. Yeah, but we're I mean, we are basically talking about at least two, if not three different phases of feminism though. Because yeah, and, and there's also a very broad range of feminist beliefs uh, you know just yeah. like in the same way that I don't like people looking at me when they hear I'm a Christian and automatically there are a hundred thousand denominations to choose from I can right. be orthodox catholic you know liberal conservative uh, the same is true of feminists you have you do have some people who are totally about unisex it's a very small subset exactly. and then you have people who think women are superior because the way they see gender differences, women are more nurturing, are more communicative, therefore it's superior. But, uh, you know, but most of the feminists that I know, they they just want equality before the law. So if you go to a child custody issue, they want unisex before the law in that they want the law to be blind to whether you're a man or woman and strictly look at would you be a better parent. Right. Who would be the better, you know, provider. Yeah. yeah. But the minute you say unisex before the law, people who aren't listening very well <laughs> hear you saying you want to get rid of all distinctions between men and women. Right. But I don't know anybody who wants that. I mean, I know there are some, but it's... And that's that's part of the thing, too, because, like, the second wave of feminism, which was uh, Gloria Steinem and um, and that sort of era, I, I don't even know if we're calling them waves anymore, to be honest. I know that wave was a big controversy as well, but... <laughs> Actually, I heard Gloria Steinem address that question. Oh, really? A couple years ago at a lecture, she said... A wave has to last 100 years, so we're still in the second wave. Okay. <laughs> yes, well, ma'am. Whatever. Yes, what you say. <laughs> <laughs> but for, for that era, at least, it was it was all about equality, like equaling out the numbers, getting equal numbers of women in Congress as men. And, and in that, looking at taking on masculine jobs and looking at taking, you know, taking those, those places and being okay in some degree, at least in my interpretation, being okay with sacrificing some aspects of femininity in order to be able to do that. Um, dressing more like men would, you know, wearing women's business suits, et cetera, et cetera. And it seems now, and I'm thankful for the idea that it's, it's become more acceptable to be feminine and to be a feminist. Absolutely. And I, I love that. That's true. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm old enough that I was one of those people who did read the book Dress for Success and, you know, dressed more in gray mm -hmm. and, and black right. suits in my early career because I, I did have to in order to be respected. Um, I wore a pink suit Monday, uh, <laughs> uh, which I would not have done. Mm -hmm. uh, in 1980s. No, yeah, yeah. The power suit was the same for men as it was for women. Yeah. You wanted to be. And I wore pink because I liked the color, not because I was making any sort of statement to anybody but myself. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great color, so. <laughs> hey, I see guys in the office wearing pink. 
I I love when men wear pink shoe, pink shirts. I told you about my friend who wore the pastel pink watch, didn't I? The, yes. My friend from Africa who's like, what is it up with Americans in pink and men? Oh, you know, yeah. what what message am I sending that right. I don't Yeah. Know? And I told the story about my friend whose whose son was, you know, his favorite color was pink and she thought he was going to be gay. And I'm like, it's just a color. It's not an indication yeah. of sexuality. I'm sorry. <laughs> and then that's, that's uh, in, indoctrination or a, a culture defining gender right yeah Bingo. good yes. job Rhonda exactly. yay ding star I get yes. a star yes <laughs> the, the the stereotypes that have been associated with pink or feminine and you know you go back I don't know even as much as what 60 years and the colors are completely different so okay so where did the attitude come from with feminism that you know you hate men and you want to be considered completely and utterly equal in every way physically everything where where did that come from because I mean I remember walking through uh an office I've had back in the the 80s and 90s and have people tell me well you're a feminist right I don't have to open the door for you you pick it up Mm. and so that was always really confusing to me because it's like no that's not exactly what I want but did what how did that attitude get presented? Was it a, a backlash from the non-feminist that their interpretation of what the fe- feminist wanted, or was this a faction of feminist? I think it was both. Yeah, I agree. I mean, okay. It was part of the media trying to make them look like idiots. Mm-hmm. But then every religion, every philosophy has its uh, less than tactful proponents who... Uh, you know, are in everybody's face and and become the face because they're easier to get a soundbite out of. Sometimes of an issue that that aren't representative of most people. One of the things that Gloria Steinem said at, at the lecture I heard her uh, delivering was that she is constantly being described as a man hater, mm-hmm. and it grieved her. She said, "I have." wonderful, warm, loving relationships with men. Mm-hmm. This was never about me hating men. Right. I was depicted as a man hater. Exactly. It wasn't men I hated. It was patriarchy. And women are as guilty of patriarchy as men are. Exactly. It's, mm-hmm. it's, well, because it's a learned behavior, just like the stereotypes around gender are learned and were trained and, you know, all those things go in. It's the same thing. A lot of women don't understand that the patriarchy is affecting affects men just as much as it does women. Yes. Let oh, me give yeah. you an, can I give you an example? Yeah. Um, Please. Class I was teaching Monday, we were talking about the Industrial Revolution and the devastating effect it had on the family. Because up until that point, you had both men and women working, the, you know, in an agrarian society, you might spend half the day with your dad and half the day with your mom. Um, and it's not that they didn't have very pretty rigid gender distinctions, but at least you had access to both parents most of the time. Mm-hmm. And with the with the Industrial Revolution taking most of the interesting work out of the home and putting it in factories, um, you did see a huge rise in economics, but you saw a devastating effect on the family with divorce rates skyrocketing to really, it was worse than it is today, actually, little, little known fact. It was hmm. devastating on the family. And I had two economists in my classroom, and we were talking about... Um, how we it's been said that the ideal is for a mom to be home with her small children but really if you're going to look at the ideal it's both both parents like, you know both parents yeah. there yeah yeah afterward one of these economists came up to me and said 
for the first time in my life, I, the thought crossed my mind, what could I do to work from home? Because he said, we don't have kids yet, but we want children. And my wife works a really good job. And she's, she's pretty traditional and wants to stay home full time. And, but we've both, as we've seen her develop in her career, we both said, gosh, she shouldn't have to give up all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said, so I was sitting here thinking, how could I work it that we could both work part time and both be available? And he said, honestly, I can't believe this is the first time in my life I ever noticed this as an option. <laughs> huh. uh, interesting. He was thrilled. He was thrilled. And and I thought there's a great example of it. it it's not just difficult for women. Right. Uh, right. It, mm. it, it shoves men into very pigeonholed roles. Exactly. Where, where they're, they end up as just as limited. They can be just as limited yeah. as women can be as well. And it's, 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 it's difficult. And sometimes it's difficult as a woman and to recognize that, you know, we know the inequality and we know that we're making less money than men are. Yeah. Um, and so it's easy to look at that and just point fingers and say, look, this impacts women more than it does men. Um, but you know, for men that tend to be more sensitive, that tend to have more feminine sort of what we call feminine, you know, characteristics in terms of wanting to talk and to, you know, to, to, uh, share feelings or any of that kind of stuff that isn't quote unquote masculine, um, you know, it's the patriarchy is just as devastating on them emotionally and on their emotional development as well. Well, it's the definitions, the cultural definitions for what is masculine and what is feminine are just harsh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're, absolutely. They're, they're so rigid limiting and mm-hmm. limited. And I mean, I think about it and, and, and there are times, I mean, I'm definitely one of those that was raised under a um, patriarchal attitude. The idea that I was going to end up working on my own. I, I, I mean, we didn't talk about, you know, you're going to grow up and have kids and stuff. I think it was a foregone conclusion because that's just what you did. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you, uh, the way I was raised, you clean the house and you wash the dishes and you had something hot on the table when they came home and uh, you did what they said. Mm-hmm. And, but at the same time, I look back on it and I think about in that rigid structure, there is absolutely no way knowing the personality of my father that he was going to be able to emulate the picture of masculinity that was being presented to him. Wow. It was it was devastating. It was it, it was crippling. It's like you look at that and you're just like, I know I can't do that. That's not me. So what do you, you know, it, it defeats you. Yeah, I think that's actually when I look at, because I have three brothers, and when I look at my brothers and their relationships throughout their lives, their, their significant relationships, I, I think they, they tended to be more sensitive men, but, but they were all in um, professions that demanded, you know, hardcore heavy masculinity. They were all laborers. And it was so difficult, I think, for them to manage the identity they had to have at work to maintain those jobs and to still try to be like that sensitive guy. So they they ended up just like pushing all of the the emotional stuff away because it was too hard Mm. to deal with that. And it's it's sad. It had devastating effects on their families and on my family. So, you know, it's not very good. But I think that that is definitely part of and my dad was that guy, too. He was the, you know, the stoic, like strong, silent type that was, you know, totally personified my dad. And and I think he was deep down. I think he was very sensitive. But I think that that wasn't something that he was comfortable expressing in any way. Wow. Yeah, it's kind of no, I just kind of all put that together in my head just now. So. Yeah. Yeah. 
Very good. Yeah. Hey. Insights. Well, yeah, for gender gender roles, you know, they're they're not evil, but no. but they they are when they limit our humanity. Mm. Yes. Uh, and and when they limit our our cho- choices unreasonably. Uh, because of some some social structure that tells you, you you were made to be a certain way when everything in you says no. Um, one of the women in the room Monday was talking about her son who's an artist. And, you know, she was he has friends who are doing the typical masculine things, things that we associate with masculinity, like camping and hunting. And, he you know, he did not like the thought of shooting a bluebird. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he shouldn't have to have his masculinity challenged on that. Right. Because that was a choice he didn't want to make. Yeah. 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 Well, you both have recently been on college campuses and I know Sandy is on campus at DTS on a regular basis. She works there and you just recently graduated from UTD and uh, Regina, you're the same way. You're Mm -hmm. still in the academic field. What do you guys see culturally from this the younger generation with their interpretation of gender in, in, in society? Is it, is it improving? Well, they think it is. <laughs> they, they definitely think it is. Isn't that, isn't that the way we do history though, right? I mean, yeah. we always think we're the most enlightened we've ever been. Yes. Yeah, exactly. They, they think the, the girls or the, the, the women, the young women, I should say young women that I see in my classrooms, uh, think there, there, there is no need for feminism anymore. That yeah. they've they've yeah. gone beyond that. That they don't need to be feminists. That they don't need to identify with that as an ideology. And you know, and and where you know, I won't say we haven't made great strides. We have. We have progressed. Things have changed. It's definitely different from when you know, all of us were young. You know, there there's differences. There's definitely more opportunities for them now than there would have been even when I was in school. But I don't think we're as far along as they really want to believe that we are. Yeah, they haven't been burned yet. <laughs> no, exactly. They still have that ideology, you know, that I'm um, not, um, you know. You don't really want to warn them. Um, no, no. Yeah, I don't. I don't do that. I just, I'm just like, yeah, it's sweet yeah. to see you like this. I will tell you one encouraging trend I see is that the, the, the Industrial Revolution's effect on my generation is we didn't know our fathers very well. They went to the office and our mom, you know, we were home with our moms. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we were if we were fortunate, you know, to have that full attention, if we were middle class, actually, you know, it was as much about class as anything. But um, the younger folks had fathers who'd been to some fatherhood training, who'd seen TV shows about fatherhood, mm-hmm. who'd had some training even in the hospital when the baby came about how to change a diaper. And right. How to contribute. To they were more involved and they mm-hmm. were coaching the soccer team. And um, and one of the pieces of research, I read a book called The Millennials that did a lot of research on this generation. And they said these, you know, those who are still on Facebook friend their parents on Facebook. The, you know, some of the guys are having their fathers stand up as their best men at their wedding. There's a there's a, a desire to hang out with one's parent uh, that once they get past the teen years when parents are idiots, <laughs> they come back to, I really like these people. I want right. to be with these people that, that, because they feel like they know their parents better than, than most people might. I'm, I'm 54, that most people my age um, knew, didn't know their parents as well as a lot of my students. Now there's more broken brokenness in the home right or complicated you know more split families 
mm-hmm. and all that. Yeah. But still, there, there, uh, I, one of the things it said was that whereas racism has been a big cause in the last 10 years, the next cause uh, for youth is going to be intergenerationalism. And one of the things that we're seeing in mentoring research is that there's a little bit of resentment for on the part of the younger women, especially, you know, if I have a mentor, it needs to be a give and take relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Think they're just going to give me an info dump. Hey, I could teach them about Twitter. <laughs> you know, I could teach them about Instagram. Um, it needs to go both ways. But, but the good part of that is that it, it's viewed as a friendship. Right. And I think the fact that we're having a conversation where we can't see each other right now, you know, some of, some of the things that used to be barriers, right. race and gender, because we're in an info uh, society, those are less significant. Yeah. I, and I think that's going to have a great impact on how, on that change that our students are already seeing, like that they're already seeing that, that future, perhaps, is yeah. part of what's going on. Let's hope, at least. Let, let us hope. Let <laughs> us hope. <laughs> well, is it also possible that what that one of the reasons why our our younger women are think things are okay is that they actually think that some of the sexism they're experiencing is normal yeah. that they don't understand the definitions i don't i don't think they understand what sexism is in general like like i think that that's a problem t- too because you remember me telling you regina about some um a friend of mine who had a niece who was in high school and it was apparently the very common thing for the guys to be called pimps and the girls to be called whores and bitches. Mm-hmm. And the mother standing around and listening to her daughter talk on the phone and doing this. And it, it, to me, that sounds like ignorance or blind acceptance of, of, I, I don't know. I mean, well, I don't know whether or not if you were to ask her and say, do you, you know, do you think women have come a long way? You think says, uh, you know, women are in a good position now. I don't know what she would say. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I, I, and that, we come back to the same conversation that we started out with, with words being <laughs> powerful and, and having changing connotations and meaning. And so in that, in that group, those, those words that I still think are powerfully negative words yeah, have, don't have that connotation for them. They're not thinking of them by what they really mean. You know, they're calling guys pimps, not thinking about the fact that what that means is you're selling a woman's body or, or anybody's body. You're selling pimp, somebody's body. Because yeah. pimp my ride meant to, you know, prove your car. Exactly. My sister was teaching fourth grade and she said we were brainstorming on the board for what, you, what names of groups you want to have. And somebody yelled out pimp and she said, and I wrote it. And we didn't choose it, but she said later when the principal came to evaluate <gasps> and sees the word pimp written on the board for fourth graders, I had some explaining to do. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> that word has evolved some. And even though yeah. I would be thrilled to hear my, you know, my daughter describing herself that way, again, that's partly because for me, as with Regina, it has such strong negative associations that... Yeah. Um, but for her, it doesn't have all the sexual sell your body association. Right. That it has to be. Yeah. It, it, it takes on a different, a different role for them. It might be the underlying metaphor they're not aware of. Uh, exactly. Like that, you know, it's, it's like, it's like, you know, like you said, your daughter was experimenting with the F word, you know, when you're first experimenting with those words or when you first learn them, like I learned, I remember being in grade school and learning this big, bad word. I had no idea what it meant. I mean, <laughs> 
no clue whatsoever what it meant. I just knew it was bad. And I remember going home to my mom and I'm like, uh, can you explain this to me? And my, my mom, who I love to absolute death, has never been really comfortable talking about certain things. And she was not comfortable explaining to me what the word meant. She just told me it's not a nice word and you don't say it. And I didn't really learn what it meant until I got to junior high and I asked one of my friends and I'm like, so can you tell me what this word means? Because everybody's saying it and I don't know what it means. (laughs) I just know that when I use it, everyone stops. Exactly. I just know it's bad and I'm not supposed to use it, which which is unfortunate, you know. Yeah. Well, we, I mean, we, we have a hard time trying to figure out, I mean, we, we can guess why the younger generation thinks that, you know, we, we don't have feminism anymore, but it's kind of folds right into kind of my next curiosity in the fact that it seems like sexism issues are in the news a lot lately. It, 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 now, I know that Regina and I spend a lot of time looking for this type right. of thing. And Regina, uh, uh, Sandy, it's your field of study as well. But it's it's not just that it's coming up more often. It's just that the level of ignorance and offense is so mind-boggling. <laughs> it just, I, you just didn't think, especially even for me, but for this younger generation who thinks feminism isn't needed anymore, to hear how backwards some of this stuff sounds. I'm just curious, is, is it just the hot button of the day and the media is just pushing it? Or is it something, has something really changed? Is feminism pushing a little harder and are they getting ready to push through the next glass ceiling give me some examples what you're talking about in the news okay um regina i don't know whether you and i talked about this but i don't keep up with international news very closely but i saw an article about the prime minister of australia um, julia gilliard and she was prime minister for one term and uh, and was not reelected but all the news seemed to indicate that she was basically bullied out of office. And I, I always do a ton of research. You know, I, I just, I don't like taking anything from anybody's blog comments or anything like that. But there was, um, a nice compilation of comments, uh, rebuttals from their um, political, her political opponents and from news and media. And they almost all were related to her physical appearance about, you know, how frumpy she looked in this jacket, why she wearing this jacket. She looks so bad. She's so unattractive. Her parents should never have had children, blah, 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 blah. That's awful. (laughs) And, then um, I listened to her resignation speech, she, and I have no idea how she ran Australia. They said she did an abysmal job, and it was just horrible, and they couldn't wait to get rid of her. But she definitely was an extremely well-spoken, well-composed woman. And even if she did run Australia badly, it looks like they could have pointed that out instead of how they didn't like her jacket. Yeah, well, and then you have to wonder if uh, male... Uh, prime minister had a an ill-fitted suit if that would have been the thing that they would have wanted to kick him out of office for yes except of course we know that you wouldn't have had to wonder because we know right exactly because there's no way that that would have ever been a consideration of his you know his shoes were you know last just last season i'm please you know there's no that conversation would never happen (laughs) something similar happened with ashley judd when her face was puffy did you read about that no steroids and people people were 
speculating to the point of, I wonder if her husband will leave her because she's not attractive anymore. God. She wrote a brilliant uh, rebuttal that I think it was the New York Times that that carried it. It was it was it was really brilliant. And she basically said, you know, she talked about the very thing you're talking about, that um, whether it's women or men, she said, you know, boys and men are equally objectified and ridiculed according to heteronormative definitions of masculinity Mm -hmm. that deny the full and dynamic range of personhood. And she was completely insulted that anybody would have such a low view of her husband as to think that their relationship was based purely on her face. On what she looked like, right? Like he's a much deeper person than that. And... Um, so I don't know that it's I don't know that it's worse, but these are these are examples of why it yeah it's not time to end the conversation about <laughs> feminism. Definitely. Well, not. is and, and I don't know what the um, the state of feminism is in Australia, but I do know she was the first female prime minister. Right. Well, how many how many countries? How many uh, can we actually point to that have women or have had women in those kinds of positions? Right. We still have. We still haven't. Right. You know, we haven't had a, a, a president, a U.S. president that's been a woman. So. Or vice president. And, <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, there was another situation that, um, and I just ran across this by accident. I just, I just really couldn't believe the the quote. But a billionaire hedge fund fund manager. Uh, was making the comment, he was making um, references to why is it that women don't continue pursuing a career in finance? And basically his summation was is they're incapable of doing it after they have a baby. I mean, physically <sighs> incapable right, of doing and, it. And he's still employed? I have no idea. <laughs> I, I, I just... And I forget where I was reading, but it it was talking about, um, okay, since I can't remember, I don't want to, I don't want to misquote, but yeah, I mean, the, the, and the quote is, is pretty ridiculous. I mean, this is kind of what he says here, quote, "Um, as soon as the baby's lips touched that girl's bosom, forget it. Every single investment idea, every desire to understand what is going to make this go up or go down is going to be overwhelmed by the most beautiful experience, which a man will never share, about a mode of connection between that mother and that baby. So breastfeeding breaks her brain Yeah, <laughs> is essentially what he's saying. It breaks the girl's brain. The girl's brain, yeah, of course. because Not it, the as, woman's brain. Right, as the girl's brain, yeah. Or the lady's brain, it's right. the girl. Right. Girl. He called her a girl. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it doesn't, to me, sound like he's got any respect for female co-workers at all anyway. Well, it doesn't have any respect for anybody because, you and know. Yet he, and yet he just describes it in such beautiful, ideal terms. No. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I think I there's a little so jealousy seen. going on there, actually. <laughs> because know. apparently he's incapable of having any kind of intimacy with anybody. Whoa, Regina, the anti-Freud, breast envy. <laughs> exactly, there you go. <laughs> he has boob envy. I'll go with that. He's got boob envy. <laughs> well, well, what about the wine you sent me, Regina? The, oh, the, God. The, that the truck, truck thing? Oh, it makes me so mad. <laughs> Do tell. Uh, there's a company in Texas that um, just released a, an ad for a, a, a decal that goes on the um, 
oh god i can't think of what it's called the tailgate thank you of a truck and it is an image of a woman who is bound and gagged and has been essentially thrown in the back of the truck so when you're driving behind the truck it looks like you're seeing a woman who's you know tied up in the back of the truck and the thing that was really truly disturbing about it was okay got all this attention which i thought was good that it got the attention i think they ended up eventually taking the um the product down um but what was truly disturbing is it wasn't the first time a company had done this. It was, there were two other examples that you can look at in the article where you could see exact same similar situations of a a picture of a woman who had been bound and gagged and thrown in the back of a truck as, you know, some sort of, I I don't even know what it's supposed to say. (laughs) Wow. What is this supposed to be, you know, communicating to the people who are following you? And, you know, they they had a, you know, a note in there that, you know, some people had called the police because they thought it was real. And the the whole reason why the the decal company had done it was because they wanted to show how how realistic their decals were. I'm like, you couldn't have put like, you know, a bunch of, you know, jumping puppies. In the back seat, in the back of the truck, you have to have a bound and gagged woman to show how realistic it is. Come on, you know, let's let's get to the meat of this. That's not why you did that. You wanted the sensational attention of this. So, well, I think we're gonna have this. We're gonna have this till kingdom come. Simply because we're talking about issues of power. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, it was in a in a more ancient time when it depended more on body strength. you know, then it was more about the physical body and wow. Okay. What were you going to say, Rhonda? Just, I mean, so I don't think we could come to any conclusions about whether or not that there is a rise in or an increase in, uh, sexism or whether or not that women are because it's not based on strength anymore. It's based on power and it's actually accessible to women now. Right. So are they pushing back more and are they getting into areas that are more threatening? Is that the reason it's coming up? Because I mean, those are, those are examples that are pretty much outside of the area that Regina and I typically talk about. Right. I mean, there are a multitude of ones that we've encountered from, cons and technology that I haven't even mentioned the one that just recently happened at TechCrunch. Mm-hmm. Mention it. What happened? Oh, oh. <laughs> it is so unbelievable. <laughs> but apparently a couple of guys, were they from Australia? Is that where they're from or Switzerland? I don't remember. To be um, they are Australian. It was supposed to be a joke. It was supposed to be a, a mock thing and they were introducing a new app called Titstare. And what the new app was supposed to do is a guy takes a picture of himself anytime he sees a pair of tits. Yeah, of his face looking at... His face looking at at boobs. Mm -hmm. And they presented this as a joke. And this is what I thought the, um, the poignant observation was. In complete ignorance of the idea that, that a huge part of their audience... was female right and then something else i'm speechless Uh, see yeah (laughs) i mean what can you know and i I wanted i wanted to bring it up in the show because i wanted to know that you would be speechless too because i was like what so we're gonna have penis stare as a that's what i said that's exactly what (laughs) i said I'm like, I want the app that shows, you know, women staring at men's crotches, because why not? If that's where we're going. Oh. Yeah. Regina is high-fiving you over, yes. over the uh, internet. Yes. Please. Cross the cyber miles. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, my 
my word. And then, I mean, that goes without saying that the, uh, the story we covered about Jenny Hanover mm-hmm. with the, the threats that she got online. Yeah. Um, the, uh, Sandy was a gamer that we interviewed here who plays games online. And she started posting the, um, the audio from some of the things that the men say to her, which we just, for the most part, we can't repeat. Mm-hmm. And I mean, they're, they're that bad. And then we had her back on it in about almost exactly four weeks later, yeah. because one of these gamers actually went to the trouble to find her account on the Xbox online system and leave her a voicemail. That was basically a rape threat. And this was this was post game, which was yeah. I, I know I keep coming back to that point, but it wasn't. It's important. It, it was. It is important. It wasn't in the game. It was after yeah. she had beaten him. She would left because he had harassed her through the whole game. She left the game. He went and found her and sent her this voice message that was essentially a, a rape threat. And and that mindset to me, I still find completely baffling because I'm like, the the motivation that it takes to be that. Oh, I don't even know what to call it. <laughs> Well, just to be power hungry, you know, so hurt. I mean, he was so hurt that he was being beat by a girl. I mean, that's just the, the the bottom line of it. That the only thing in his mind, the only way he could really get back at her, was to threaten her sexually. And not just that, because he said he was going to impregnate her and make her have a late term abortion. It was yeah, awful. It was and then he giggled about it. He giggled at the end of it with glee. I'm like. Who are these people? <laughs> and see that I, I I mean I keep going back to that. I mean, part of her problem was, I'm sorry, listeners, we're rehashing some of this information, but part of the problem was she contacted Xbox and wanted them to ban him from the game and from online gaming. She's like, you know, this is a scary threat. If and and they basically they were just kind of wringing their hands and it's like you know what we look into every episode and blah blah blah. If if a guy called your home and left a voicemail like that, you could have him arrested. He broke the law. Yes, he exactly, exactly. But there was no way for her to go to go about that. There's no way to 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 have that kind of repercussion with someone who behaves like this online yeah because that was basically xbox's response right mm-hmm. if it's that if you're that concerned why don't you call 911 yeah but only after they gave her the runaround forever then finally it was like oh well, maybe you should check in with your local law enforcement because if you're worried about your safety you know maybe you should do that what really this is the last conclusion that you come to. really <laughs> you're that helpless people wow <laughs> so this is just this is just the 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 wheel of time continuing. This is going. This is just to add infinitum the way it's going to be for uh, a struggle between male and female. It's but but it's not just a struggle between male and female. Yeah. Sometimes it's between female and female. Sometimes yeah. between male and male. Sometimes it's female against male. It's power. Exactly. And you know, women have abused power with their bodies. Uh, Miley Cyrus comes to mind, <laughs> um, and she doesn't speak for all women. No, you know, I mean, I felt like it was a crime against women what she did, and it, that wasn't a uh, using crime as a metaphor, but you know, it, she certainly doesn't represent all of us. Um, and I, I, yeah, I think we're always going to have people abusing power, and because sex, because sex, you know, women are vulnerable in a way men aren't. We can be entered in a way by them in a way we can't enter them. Right. I'm not saying a man a man can't be raped, but it's tougher to rape for a woman to rape a man. It's 
therefore, when I walk alone in a dark alley, I'm going to be afraid in a way that a man won't be. Um, he, he'll has, have his own fears. I'm not saying he won't. It's just relative to a man, a woman is vulnerable in a way a man is not vulnerable relative to a woman. And again, to, con- to, to bring us back to how we started the conversation, what you're talking about now are the difference in the sexes between yes. male and female. Yeah. That, that, that is the base, one of the base differences between sex. And that's not gender, that's sex. That's, that's the difference right. in the anatomy of human bodies. And, okay. and the ramifications of the power differential mm-hmm. that comes with that. Exactly. Okay, well, this is good because this is a topic, actually, that I'm glad that we brought up. And, and you two are perfect because you're on different sides of the technology on it, but you're coming from the right perspective. Okay, I was reading the article recently about the comic strip that uh, the guys at Penny Arcade, Regina, you wrote an article about it, mm-hmm. and about... Um, the different reactions to the cartoon and not just that, but the way that Penny Arcade has continued to, to reference the cartoon. Yeah. Right. Um, but the thing that bothered me as I was reading all of these articles in response to whether or not this is sexist or what it was, is the reference to um, the phrase rape culture. Now, please, wh- who has a rape culture? Where Who is organizing these people i mean what does that mean is that something in the gaming community no 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 it's it's not just it's not limited to the gaming community at all but to me that sounds like a a a a overblown term it sounds like something that used to reference something that doesn't really exist just to blow the idea out of proportion i mean rape culture doesn't exist Right? What, what would you say? Mean? What would you say, Sandy? I, I'm still trying. I'm sorry. I'm speechless. <laughs> <laughs> have you heard? Have you heard the term rape culture in the media? I think I Which, have. I yeah. think I have. And it, but I think I've heard it as a synonym for too many people getting away with a crime. Um, trying to think how I've heard it used. I, I, I think part of what it refers to. I think that that's part of it. I, I think. Uh, the um, non-prosecution of of rape is part of of what they're ta- of what people are talking about when they say rape culture. The the other thing that they're talking about is the dismissal of rape as uh, an act. And and I'm not I'm not saying that people do that. I'm not saying that that's what happens. But when part of what really bothered me about the Miley Cyrus performance was the. Uh, whoever the jerk was that she was dancing with. <laughs> I don't follow the music. I'm sorry. I'm old. It's it's not my thing. <laughs> I'm not into it. I don't know. Thick. Was it thick? Yes, I don't know. Thick. Thick-headed was all I kept thinking was <laughs> thick-headed. So the thick-headed guy that she was dancing on and grinding on was singing lyrics that said, uh, you know you want it. I know you're a good girl, and I know you want it. Now, the whole idea behind that is that good girls withhold their sexuality from the men that they're dating or that they're seeing, but that they really want to be sexual. And all they need is a man to persuade them in order to be sexual or to become sexual. And perhaps they even want to be raped. Exactly. And perhaps even they want to be raped. Um, and that's, that's what I, what I think when I, when I hear that term and I hear the term rape culture, that's what I'm hearing. The perpetuation of those ideas, which are completely and 100% wrong. Okay. I think it's just, I think it's just the use of the word culture that bothers me because it just sounds inappropriate. It sounds like 
it's like a well-organized elevating an idea you don't want elevated <laughs> okay when we think of culture we think of cultured right you think of uh you know high forms of art or something like that. And that's not what this is talking about. This is talking about the same idea that we have where we're having the conflation of sex and gender as terms is, you know, people keep using it wrong. People keep saying the wrong things. And that's part of what Gabe did from Penny Arcade. He doesn't recognize that he's using words that are violent to people. Yeah, and see, we, we're going to have to have a, sh we might <laughs> have to have a show on that because I don't think there's anything wrong with the cartoon. But you and I disagreed on this before with the E3 guy. Well, you know, I could I can see the joke that they were making in the cartoon. This is probably going to get me flamed because my article already got me like some really awesome, some really great and really thoughtful comments on the site. But people did not <laughs> agree with what I was saying, which was fine. But um, but I can see where the joke was in the in the comic. The problem isn't that necessarily. I mean, that was the beginning of it. What they should have done was re was responded to the fallout they had in a more dignified way. Let's yeah, just, mm. I, 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 I'm, I'm frustrated with the people, just exactly like the Penny Arcade guys said, that, that have been following them for years mm -hmm. and have had bad, or not bad, but cartoons about rough subjects before, and they're just now speaking up on this. And they're like, okay, what about the cartoon we had about uh, pedophilia and the cartoon we had about this and the cartoon? We had, why is it now all of a sudden you're up in arms? And that was a good, that was a good response because that's part of why I was asking well, earlier, is sexism the new hot topic? Right. But they did, they did respond poorly to it. Yeah. Well, it part, um, I mean, I they, you know, I don't, I don't want to go into the whole story because no. I don't want to drag, drag Sandy through it. But they, they made T-shirts that said Team Dick Wolves oh, that cool. they marketed after their, their first response instead of, you know, being sensitive to the people who had the negative reaction to it was to write a whole mocking comic strip that mocked how they felt. I mean, see, I disagree. I think that I don't think anybody interpreted the, the, their response correctly. I mean, I think the strip. I, would that you they wear used... a Team Dick Wolves T-shirt? <laughs> well, no, but I don't even read Penny Arcade. What I'm well, saying, I don't, I don't is... either. That was what I said in my article. So. What I'm saying is that there was. I don't. When I read the cartoon, and I, I feel like I read it within the context that it was given. I didn't think that it was uh, uh, offensive to the the topic of rape. And then I read their response, and I felt like their response was in incredibly bright and witty and hit at the target of the point and I don't think anybody that so anyway this is this is where we disagree but the I think the way they have handled it with their their group is difficult this is uh, this might be a much better point to bring out what one of the things people kept arguing about is you need to be more sensitive with um I think it was rape triggers. Is that the term? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think okay. so. Or language that, yeah, yeah. Which, I, I, see, I don't, I don't see how you can do that either. I mean, it's like, you know what my cartoon is about. I don't understand how they're supposed to... Uh, do you see what I'm getting? You're both so quiet. <laughs> I, I, I'm trying to figure, is there such a thing as a rape trigger? I'm, I'm listening to hear well, what you mean. 
the 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 cartoon what the cartoon had said was um something along the lines of um it was making fun of uh, a mechanic in gameplay where you have to like rescue x number of people from a certain situation and so one of those people asked the hero who's rescuing him please rescue me too and he's like no dude i only needed six people so i'm done and he's like well we get raped to sleep every night by dick wolves and and we're starved and this and that and and the response from many survivors of rape was you know i'm offended by this language so for them that was the trigger was you know having in the comic the idea that that people had been raped and and sort of casually thrown in there i mean it wasn't like you know but he was saying it was a bad thing Right. Yes. Well, the, he yeah. Was, that's yeah. the juxtaposition. That required rescuing. Yes. Yes. Like the point of view of the character is this is something to be right. rescued yes. from. But then the hero's like, "Well, yeah, sorry, dude, but I'm done." And well, I can't. that makes him a jerk, but it doesn't right. make. Right. It doesn't and make. And that the was reference. the point of the cartoon. Right. Is the juxtaposition of the the severity of the the crime the and the casualness right. of the gameplay. The hero. Yeah. But the the idea about the triggers is someone was saying, well, you ought to be more sensitive about using certain words. Oh, I see. To, to trigger a psychological response in yes. somebody who's been traumatized. Right. Yes. Right. Oh. And I'm like, okay, if you've been traumatized, you, you don't need to be re- reading these guys' cartoon to begin with. Because it's a daily traumatization. But I, <laughs> yeah. But also, how do you... I, I, I think the idea of trigger words, which there's a site you can go to, and it's a, it, it's a, uh, a, a group that says, okay, these are trigger words that you should warn. And you go to a blog post, and they'll tell you at the top, they'll say, I'm using trigger words in this article. I remember going to a small group Bible study once. And we were talking about um, not um, putting a temptation in front of someone. And someone in the group actually said, please don't bring chocolate to group anymore. It was like, why? And it's like, well, because it's my addiction. And I think people should be more sensitive. And I think that this is a problem, you know, in the church. And when we bring snacks, it's like, how are we going to know this? I mean, it's like, do you know how many triggers there are? Yeah. And so... You know, does that mean I have to warn people when I'm writing an article about chocolate fondue? Um, my, as a storyteller, I would be much less concerned with trying to figure out everybody's words um, and everybody's triggers. Certainly, you want to be sensitive, but but I would be much more concerned with the point of view. And for example, you know, if I'm watching a movie, I'm less interested in the ratings than I am if they have me cheering for the bad guy. Mm. Do they have me in the point of view of the sicko person wanting him to commit the crime? Or do they have me in the point of view of the person who's fighting the person who wants to, you know, hurt somebody? Essentially, who are you empathizing with as the yes, character? Right. Exactly. Right. And, and the point of view is much more important if, if, if you're going to hold a point of view that minimizes the seriousness of rape, that's much more serious than using a word to describe rape as a terrible thing. Right. And I think that that's what what ended up happening is in their response, they wrote a, a, a strip essentially trying to tr- trying to point out that that wasn't what they were saying. But the tone of it, I think, was was flippant. When I read it, I read it as kind of like, oh, well, we got all this bad press and this is how we felt about it. So sorry. And that's how I interpreted the response. You know, um, so it was as much about the discourse. Right. Uh, as, 
Okay. Yeah, exactly. It, oh, it's 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 much more about what came after than 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 I think it's much more about what came after than the strip itself. In fact, I think the strip has kind of gotten to a degree lost in in <laughs> in um, the the yeah the term the turmoil that has followed. And and you know and they they don't always say the brightest things. You know they. they Gabe doesn't. He just doesn't. And that's why, you know, that's fine. I think he's learning. And I think his apology for because he did apologize. And I was really glad that he apologized. And I thought he was really sincere in his apology because he didn't sound flip in that apology at all. But no. he actually wrote out an apology and didn't do a comic strip on it where you're trying to communicate these huge ideas in three panels. Yeah. <laughs> you know, in my family of origin, funny was better than kind. Yeah. And so when my Funny is not always kind. <laughs> oh, if, if my yeah. sister and I would be having an argument and one of us would haul off with a good zinger, we might even stop and go, ooh, that was good. Yeah. And then keep going. Well, then I got married and I did the same zingers. Yeah. And I never got any kind of respect from my husband uh, uh, in the middle of an argument. Imagine. It was as much about how I was responding to. Yes. Yeah. Sounds like. Well, like funny's not is not not better than kind here either. Yeah, I, I think but, yeah. Really? And I think that that's what I think that's a lesson that they're learning that the Penny Arcade guys are learning is that they need to kind of step up and be a little bit more considerate. And I think that that's good. Um but I don't I don't think that they should censor their writing cuz they are, you know. It's a vulgar strip. It's not something that I've ever been drawn to, but they've, they've ever claimed it was going to be No. Seen. No. Yeah. No. No, not at all. Not at all. So. Well, just I think to wrap this up, what I want to go back to, or not back to, but looking, Regina and I are always, okay, so what do we do with this? Mm-hmm. How, do we, how do we respond to this? What, what kind of action should we be taking that move things forward in a positive way? What do we do as, I guess, today's feminist right. in the face of this? A couple things come to mind in general. Um, one is to know that it's always appropriate to ask people questions about what they mean. Yes. Including what they mean by the definitions of the words they're using. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that way, you know, sometimes we can stop the argument before it happens because, oh, then I guess I agree with you. I just wouldn't have put it in those terms. Right. Um, but, but also, I think uh, today's, today's feminist is more sensitive to the fact that there have been terrible constrictions on men, too. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, sexism, it, it's a sub, feminism is a subset of sexism, but, but you, you don't want to go to an extreme where you only see the um, offenses done to one sex right. and not to the other. And I think there is a growing sensitivity um, to that, to, to look around at our brothers and say, how have gender roles constricted you in a way that they don't need to? And, and can I be a door opener for you? Um, whether it's wives and husbands saying, hey, if you know, if you want to stay home, I'll work more hours. Uh, you know, wife saying that to the husband, husband saying that to the wife. You know, what can we do so that we're both satisfied in our work and home ratios? Um, in, terms of, in terms of our gaming, um, I'd love to know what you all would like to, you know, see happen in the industry as improvements. Sounds like, sounds like courteous discourse is all. <laughs> yeah, that one. I, we've said that we've had, you know, when we had Jenny on the show and a couple of other um, YouTube podcasters, we had Rusty and Aaron on from Mandate Mondays. And I said the same thing to them, too, because they play the same game that Jenny plays. And I'm like, you know, stand up, 
when you hear somebody who's talking to somebody poorly like this, male or female, just stand up and tell them, you know, don't do that. (laughs) This is inappropriate. Um, And if you want an idea, uh, Rhonda, of rape culture, that message that Jenny got was an example of someone using the power of rape culture against her. And when she complained, (laughs) rape culture says, "Eh, no big Uh, deal, you're problem exactly Hmm. you know go to your local law enforcement and give them a gamer tag which they can do absolutely nothing with um which devalues her position and her power as well so that's if if you're going to give a definition rape culture is about some some of that power about that power play and how it can be used to threaten women so um don't threaten don't threaten anybody you know be kind and courteous and (laughs) pay attention to your words people (laughs) sandy did you have a second point uh, that was that was it. it was okay. Yeah. Well, I know yeah. that I know that in one situation, I when I went to Dragon Con to speak up when I should have spoke up, and I, I don't know whether you noticed it, Sandy or not. In the um, show notes, I I've got something in there about ass chaps. Yeah, I noticed that. Well, I forgot to t- I didn't tell you about the story, Regina. We were we were waiting for the elevator one night, and it was late at night. I think it. No, it was a time where I was with my husband and a couple of other people. My brother wasn't there. And we were just wanting to go back up to the room. We were tired. But the party that goes on downstairs was in full swing. And there was a girl running around in a T-shirt and a pair of blue jeans. But when she turned around, she had cut the cheeks out of the jeans. And so she was running around with her rear sticking out of these blue jeans and I'm sitting there and I was just so infuriated and I was so concerned for her and I wish I had said something I wish I'd just gone up to her and it wouldn't have matter I imagine she was probably smashed probably yeah but at the same time I mean that's the kind of kind of person you're gonna say hun I, I don't know what this means to you I'd like to know <laughs> <laughs> What are you, what are, yeah. What are you communicating here? What are you wanting to communicate? What are you feeling here? What are you trying to accomplish here? Exactly. What is this supposed to be doing? Because I'm looking at that and all I'm thinking of is all the public places that you sit at a con. (laughs) Yeah. And whose other body parts have been on them. And now your butt's going to be there. And now I'm going to be looking at every chair at every con I go to and wondering if somebody has like assless pants on and has been sitting in my chair. But I think about... The father, the, the father of the bride carrying 409 or Windex. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> Let me clean this off before I sit down. <laughs> I just think about the uh, the times that I've I've tried to encourage guys. It's like you know, if you've got a girl online playing in your game in the guild, and the guys are are being inappropriately ugly to her, stand up. Mm-hmm. But there, there are plenty of situations where I need to stand up mm-hmm. as, a, as a woman representative yeah. and say, you know, whatever needs to. Yeah. Yeah. And just ask. I mean, you know, it could be nobody's ever asked her that question or she never yeah. even really thought about it. I, you know, it could be totally transformative to the person you're asking the question to. Yeah. And that's a, I mean, it's the same thing I think of when um, but one of the things I'd written down here is, you know, what women are giving us a bad name. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you guys, before I did, and it's just, I feel like sometimes that, that is the loudest um, noise in the room. And it's hard to overcome that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My concern with Miley is less that 
she's given us a bad name because I don't think people look at me differently because of what Miley did. Right. But my concern is, is along the lines of what Regina said. I am concerned that it affects the world of ideas mm-hmm. about women. Yes. Which says... Secretly, we may we not be flirting, we may not be acting like we want sex, but we really want sex with anybody and everybody, and we want to be raped, you know, especially yeah. especially the good girls, especially mm-hmm. those of us who are faithful to our husbands or, you know, or... They're asking for it. Yeah, we're, yeah, we really deep down want it, which is what the world thought women thought hundreds of years ago, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. We actually had a more voracious sex drive than men, we just hit it better. Right. But we were so good at deceiving. Um, so I, I think, I think the, the person Miley is giving a bad name to is just Miley. Right. But, but she is setting out some bad ideas that make people suspect that, that we're, that you can't trust what a woman really says. Right. And, and that, no, she means yes. Exactly. And that whole idea, you know, we don't need to argue about being bad, but it's the impressionable minds, the people who do listen to this, you know, music, that are watching this and are looking at I'm, I'm trying to think of who a female star like you know I looked at Madonna that way when I was that young right I, mm-hmm. I idealized her I was like well this is cool but I also knew possibly because I wasn't really ever taken in by I want to be so-and-so pop culture icon that was never something that I felt I never wanted to be Madonna but I worry about those girls who think oh wow look I can get a guy as hot as you know thick-headed guy in her dance thing if I if I'm you know gyrate my my ass up against him it's like no there are so many better ways to go about this <laughs> I'm still laughing that you're calling him a thick-headed guy <laughs> I just think it's That's all great. I can think of serious conversation <laughs> it's all I could think of I'm like I know his name's thick something thick and I'm like oh thick-headed that's perfect so I'm going to have to make sure I put that in the post for the episode. Well, I hope um, our listeners have enjoyed this as much as as much as I have. Before we um, end the conversation, do you ladies want to um, add anything to our sex versus gender talk? Just pay attention to your words. You know, words have meaning, definite meanings, and we need to be conscious of them. Okay. Cool. All right. Well, um, we'd love to hear from our listeners. Be sure and check us out on our website, GameOnGirl.com, and you can find all our social media connections there and let us know what you think. Well, we're going to wrap about what we've been doing uh, in geekdom this week, what we've been watching, reading, and playing, and we're really thrilled that Sandy was going to be able to stay with us, especially since I love her book recommendations and her movie recommendations. So this will be a lot of fun. First of all, Regina, what have you been watching this week? Uh, I have been watching, well, I I mentioned earlier in the episode, I've been rewatching Eureka because I realized I never saw the last season of it. Um, So I've been I've been rewatching those episodes because I couldn't remember. And I'm actually kind of delighted at how much I forgot about it. As in going back and experiencing the stories again, I'm just really, I'm really enjoying the development of the characters. It really is some excellent writing in terms of characters. So that's been pretty fun to revisit. And I also watched the first three episodes of Heroes of Cosplay. What did you think? I thought it was great. I thought it was really, it was really interesting. It was really entertaining. There were some moments that I wasn't, I was kind of you know, tipping my head at the side at some of the crazy things people do. But I guess that's part of the point of that show, I think. Yeah, it's, it's pretty inspiring. It's, yeah. It was interesting when I was at Dragon Con, I ran into um, Yaya in a booth. 
and there were some uh, fans there that were talking to her, and it's like, you know, we really enjoy watching the show, but, you know, we're only paying attention to the cosplay, not the other stuff. And I'm like, huh, I'm wondering if people are having a problem with the way that cosplay or geekdom is being presented or something. I don't know. I've heard people talking about it as a really controversial show, and... I, I don't get it. I kind of missed it. And and sometimes that happens with me because I do... Sometimes I just have to turn my filter off to just enjoy something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I don't, I might not have been... You know, I also watched it on the Friday. I, I was at a friend's house uh, in Seattle the Friday night of PAX. And it was after my presentation had been that morning. And I was absolutely exhausted. So I was really just like, I'm going to enjoy myself tonight and watch some, some TV. So I might have missed what it was that people were sort of like, oh, that's really controversial about it. But the costumes are amazing. And the, the time and energy and effort people put into their costumes, I just can't believe it. Yeah, I don't, I don't know where they get the money. Yeah, no, seriously. And they're they're like competing for $1,000 and I'm looking at them ring up like $400 at like one stop for one part of their costumes. And I'm like, it yeah. must not be about the prize. No. no. Oh, no. No, not at all. Not at all. It is about the bragging rights to win the prize, yeah. though, for sure. Now, what have you been watching, Sandy? Uh, Big Bang Theory. Oh, yay. I got oh, yeah. I just got that on DVD yesterday in the new season. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Just... Yep. You know, we watch the reruns. Um, yeah. Our, our daughter has Asperger's and totally identifies with Sheldon's character. And it's it's one of the things that we can do as a family where we can point to someone else's behavior and discuss it. And oh. it's not a convert. You know, nobody takes it personally. That's a really powerful thing. It is. It really is. It, it, uh, there, was, there was one night, Gary and I both, my husband and I both said, what a jerk. And she said, who, Leonard's character? We said, no, oh, Sheldon's character, oh, oh, oh. and here's why. Um, so, again, we weren't criticizing her behavior. Mm-hmm. We were, but that's not why we watch it. I mean, we just watch it because it's so funny and clever, and it's just, just good writing. It is good writing. It is, so, yeah. Side benefit that our, it's, you know, something our family can watch and appreciate. I and actually write. had a student, or not a student, a colleague at um, Concordia University, where I teach in the online program, um, say that she uses uh, clips from Big Bang Theory mm-hmm. to talk about autism. Interesting. So I thought that was really yeah. interesting. Yeah, Sheldon's character, like, he has this one place he has to sit. Nobody's allowed to sit there. Mm-hmm. And that happened in our house when my, my daughter made her grandmother move out of her chair. And before we had a diagnosis, we're thinking, you cannot do that. Right. But, you know, once it was explained to us that for her, it's like sharing a diaper. I mean, it's like sharing your right. own sippy cup. Yeah. There are things you don't have to share. And it was as if she had the buttless pants on. <laughs> see we've created our own little context and language we have it totally makes That's sense now. so now every time you look at sheldon you're going to imagine that his butt cheeks are hanging out of his pants i don't want to sit in that chair <laughs> okay Oh, thanks, Regina. You're welcome. Okay, and then a movie I just watched was of Gods and Men, which uh, was recommended to me by a colleague. It's a it's a true story of nine French Trappist monks who are assigned to a monastery in the uh, Algerian mountains in the Civil War, 1996 Algerian Civil War, and just the courage they had to have to remain uh, in the village, caring for people, feeding the poor, you know, doing medical work and stuff, and 
it was a beautifully filmed uh, piece of work. It it moved slowly, but the slowness didn't feel like hurry up. It it kind of added to the beauty. Lovely scripting. The characters were were just fabulous. It's won all kinds of awards. Highly recommend it. How's that for a stretch? Those are <laughs> That's great. Yeah, those are Bucks great. And then Sheldon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we could probably draw some comparisons on how Sheldon kind of is a monk. So there you go. <laughs> Wow, that's a pretty good connection. Thanks. I, I, I work. It's what I do. <laughs> so what have you been watching, Rhonda? Um, well, of course, I'm getting very, very excited for the new fall season. Yes. And I actually, every season, I make a spreadsheet. Wow. And I have all the uh, new shows. And when they're coming out, well, the ones I'm interested in, I give them a trial run of like two or three weeks. And they're the ones that are revisiting. And um, I've got that worked up in a spreadsheet that I'll post if anybody out there is a OCD or. <laughs> I actually mentioned your spreadsheets during uh, my presentation at PAX. Yep, yep. I mentioned them at, yeah. at Dragon Con as well. Everybody, everybody that either empathized or laughed. So. Yeah, and then I had someone in the audience yell out that you needed to play Eve online. Yes, everybody else. <laughs> That's what I need is another addiction. That's the spreadsheet game. Yeah, Rhonda, I've known you for a long time, and I never knew you were the spreadsheet girl. Oh, Rhonda is queen of spreadsheets. I actually thought about starting a blog entitled Excel Can Solve Any Problem. (laughs) (laughs) And I was going to do an Excel spreadsheet every week and solve some problem. And it's still in my, I've still got notes, I've still got it all written down. Excel can solve world hunger, Excel can solve world peace. I still, it's, it's to me the next XKCD, you know, it definitely needs to happen. So I'll post that if anybody really, really wants to know uh, what a TV fan is going to be watching this season. (laughs) But what I did go back to do is rewatch, well, not rewatch a lot, but season one and two of Grimm. And when it came out, it was on my, when it was new, it was on my list. And I actually was enjoying it because they were doing things with, their secondary characters in the show that were that was unique Hmm. and I'm like they introduced a character I'm like you know he is really an interesting character I hope they show him more and they did Mm, nice and then the uh, lead uh, girlfriend was very interesting and she got involved and asked very intelligent questions and she was brave and courageous. And I'm like, wow, she's really interesting. I hope they show her more. They did. And I heard they got renewed for a third season. It's like, okay, I, this show deserves me to be their fan. So I went back and rewatched season one and two and they really have a, to me, a level playing field with a, a really great cast of characters and they haven't shoved them all to the edges such that they're just supporting the lead actor and they each have their own story and they're just they're all very interesting and they get two strong female characters nice yeah yeah i've heard great things about that it's actually filmed in portland so um... oh okay that doesn't well of course it's set in oregon Yeah. yeah yeah so so i know that it's filmed here so it's one of those that's been on my list to watch but i haven't gotten around to it yeah, I think it's the writing. I think mm-hmm. that's what you'll uh, you Well, that's like. always my... That's always my... I'm a sucker for good writing. And I love football season. Why? I, we watched football since I was a kid. I mean, that was a major thing on Sundays and Monday nights. 
is watching football and watching my parents argue because my dad was an Oakland Raiders fan and mom was a Dallas Cowboys fan. (laughs) And mom would just walk through the house. Dad's laughing and cheering, you know, John Madden and and everything. And mom's just like, well, they're just mean. They're just mean. (laughs) Cowboys are good guys. It's like, this is just great. This is great picture of competition and, it was just a fun time. So uh, I really enjoy the competition and, and watching football. But Well, um, Regina, what have you been reading? Have you finished up your series? or what um, you, you know, I actually, I actually put the series. I was reading um, the Immortals series by uh, Tamara Pierce. And I actually put that aside. I'm, I think I'm kind of saving that last book because I love the main character, Dane, so much. I kind of want to yeah. I want to save it a little bit. So I, I actually went back to um, – I was reading Neferet's Curse. Remember I told you that was a yes. novella about um, a larger series. And my best friend started rereading the series, the, the whole series, the House of Night series, which is by – PC and Kristen Cast. It's a mother and daughter um, author team and young adult fiction. And so she started rereading them and just getting like completely sucked into reading them now. Now, the first time I found these books was like four or five years ago. And I had just randomly ordered the first four off Amazon for like 20 bucks or something. And I was dealing these books like they were drugs to my friends. And I'm not even exaggerating. Like people were showing up at my house at like 10 o'clock at night to pick up books to read <laughs> because they needed. What was that? I said, I love you. Regina. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> like I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. Like I knew that I had gotten sucked into them. And then I gave Julie, you know, the first one to read. And then my, another friend of mine started reading them and we were like, literally like cycling through them. And people were getting so impatient with other people that I, they ended up starting to, to order them themselves so that they had them. But I'm the only one who's had the whole series. So I have the whole series. So uh, Julie started reading it and then she was missing like the third book or the fourth book. I can't remember what it was. And so she showed up at my house like af- immediately after work as soon as she had finished the other book. She's like, I don't know what to do. I'm done with it. Can I borrow your copy? Because I only have the one after it. I'm like, sure. So she shows up to do it. So I'm dealing them again. So uh-huh. it's that it's that I don't even I can't even really describe what it is that's so compelling about the story. You know, it's a teenage vampire uh, uh, finishing school, essentially. So it's like a boarding school for vampires. And um, the story is really centered on powerful female characters, which is, of course, what drew me to it in the first place. And they worship a goddess. They worship Nyx, the goddess of night, because they're vampires, of course. But they're not vampires that, like, turn by being bitten. They're chosen by their goddess to become vampires. So it's kind of a completely different vampire-type story. Anyway, so I, I've read since the last time we wrapped, which was like two weeks ago, I'm already on the third book. That's how quickly <laughs> I've gone through them. <laughs> so I'm most of the way through the third book, which is Chosen, um, and really enjoying kind of going back through the story, knowing that I know kind of where it's headed now. So oh. it's been fun. Yeah. It's been fun it's to fun, go back to it. It's great when you have a fun series. Yeah, like absolutely. I just love that image of, of you dealing books like other people deal drugs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why didn't you live in my neighborhood when I was growing up? Seriously. (laughs) Well, Sandy, have you been able to pick up uh, some more reading or is that? Yeah, I got just just like with my movie recommendations, I got pretty much two extremes. You know, I'm I'm reading an academic book called Gospel Women that is applying uh, feminist theory to some of the women of the New Testament. And it's really very interesting to sort of read between the lines and see things that 
haven't typically been seen before. And then I'm reading Let's Pretend This Never Happened, a mostly true uh, uh, memoir. Oh, I love her. By Jenny, Jenny Lawson. Oh. Completely hilarious and a misfit and irreverent and daring to say things out loud that everybody thinks. Yes, I love her. So, the blog yeah. ass. The blog ass. Yeah, yeah the blog ass. Her right. on Twitter, you're missing out because. Oh, I don't. I'll have to. I'll have to do that. She posts some of the best things and some of the best gimmicks and just just great stuff. I just. She's good. She's good. She's worth following. Actually, when I when I talked to my uh, dissertation advisor, when I told her that I was going to take an internet direction with my research instead of doing an academic sort of track with it, I, t- I cited the blog ass as. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because she is an intellectual. She is. She yeah. absolutely is. Uh, and she reaches is. so many oh. people talking about some really heavy duty stuff. Like, you know, she talks very openly about her depression and her anxiety and and it's just really great. She's really fantastic, and her blog is well well worth the read. And the book is as well. So uh, yeah, on the back cover, it's it's got a picture of her hair in curlers, and she's holding this big, huge blow dryer. And it it you know you're reading it. J E S U S is the author's hairdresser. You can tell them apart from the other J E S U S because they pronounce their names differently. <laughs> <laughs> Just a small example of the mini little bits of humor yeah. found throughout this book. So. Yeah, she there is. There you go. She's great. She's great. How about you, well, Rhonda? What are you up to? I finished up um, Murder is a Fine Art. It was by David Morrell. And I've got to go back and look at um, his history with writing um, because of the, the, I thought the writing was really, really good. I was really driven through the story. I just wanted to sit down and just keep reading. It was set in the 1800s, and it's basically a murder mystery. There are a couple of things with structure, I think, that he could change because he revealed at one point who the murderer was toward the end. And after that, there there wasn't a lot of hook for me to stay invested in the story. So it was still really good, but and I like the characters. There was a, a just a wonderful female character character in this book she was just so feisty and courageous and brave and for the 1800s I felt like they represented her very realistically and at the same time made her a strong woman it was really great but immediately after that I picked up Stormfront which is book one of the Dresden Files and those are by Jim Butcher and I picked that up because we saw we saw him speak at Dragon Con and he was funny and very laid back and very casual about the idea that he was an author. And it's like, you know, I'm not that good a writer. He said, you know, I just like telling stories. Mm -hmm. Like Stephen King. That's what Stephen King always says. Yeah. And um, sure enough, I've started the story and from page one, I'm just, I don't want to stop. So, so what are you uh, playing, Regina? I mean, after PAX, are you playing anything new or? Yeah, (laughs) actually. I didn't know how fast you would be getting new games. Oh, yeah. I downloaded two games as soon as I came home that were both from indie studios. Uh, One that I've actually been emailing with the uh, CEO from. (laughs) He emailed me the other day. And um, and, and both both these companies are in Germany. I think they're in Germany. Um, So... 
English is sort of a, a different thing. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I emailed, he emailed me and, you know, uh, asked me if I had had a chance to play the game and I had, or he didn't actually, he offered me a couple more codes to play the game. And so I wrote him back and I'm like, oh yeah, I've already, my, I've already started playing it and I'm really enjoying it. Uh, the game's called Forced. It's the studio is Beta Dwarf Studios. I wrote him back and I said, yeah, I'm really enjoying it. The game is really different. It's unlike anything I've played before where there's, uh, there's a combat element that looks the combat looks very much like Diablo looks or Diablo 2 or Diablo 3 looks but uh, where you're sort of you know three dimension uh, or third person view fighting with your like your little character and you've got they've got four different classes that you have the choice of playing and different skills that you uh, develop as you continue playing but you're also solving puzzles with you have this like spirit orb that is within the control of the group that you're playing with and you have to solve a puzzle like you'll have to destroy statues or you'll have to kill certain numbers of bad guys you'll have to do different things with this orb that you essentially have to make follow you around the board that you're playing on and you have and what you generally have to do is you're working with someone else you collectively have to work that orb and fight the bad guys at the same time interesting it is just fascinating gameplay it's just and it's really addicting it's really short the rounds are usually you know less than five minutes that you play each round and each puzzle you don't die the, the hardest one that we've played so far was one where um there's a tower in the middle that's creating this smoke that kills you and so you have to run the orb through the middle of it to turn that off to 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 get the smoke to go back in (laughs) and at the same time you have three doors on either side of the tower where bad guys are coming out that are trying to eat you um so yeah so it's got a lot of like dynamic gameplay that's really so i emailed them and i told them that i was really enjoying the the combat and puzzle aspect and i thought it was really innovative (laughs) and he wrote me back and he said that my words were like coca-cola in his ears (laughs) oh Which I just thought was the sweetest thing ever. (laughs) Really? Because I don't really like Coke in my ears. Yeah. (laughs) I was wondering where the the sort of translation was. uh, It was uh, (laughs) awesome. Yeah, it was a great, it was a great thing. So anyway, so I've been playing that and that's been really, really enjoyable. I've also been playing for a board game. um, I got some uh, review copies of uh, Privateer Press has a new uh, deck building game called High Command and I've been playing that and it's um it's a little like Magic the Gathering um, and a little like Smash Up and a little like a bunch of other games kind of all thrown together with War Machine themed characters hmm. and it's been really enjoyable and really fun to play and it's um and yeah so we're going to actually have a review up of that in a couple weeks so oh okay yeah yeah it's been cool. it's been fun lots of lots of dynamic game playing since PAX what about you, Sandy? Does playing hand and foot with cards count? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, it does? Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, we've been doing that with the relatives and, uh, you know, just continuing on with my, my serious words with friends <laughs> uh, competitions and a little whirly word if I get stuck in traffic somewhere. Nice. Yeah. You got to play words with friends with Regina. Okay. <laughs> Doc Liz. I'll have to reinstall it. I haven't played it in a while. Doc Liz. But okay. I would love it. But Doc Liz, yeah, with two Zs. Oh, she like loves friend, uh, with friends With friends games. games. <laughs> yeah, I'm I've been sorry, trying to Rhonda. play gems with friends, but she just spanks me, man. I just... <laughs> No luck. It's got a high learning curve, so yeah, it does. It really, does. it really takes a while to get to get the hang of it. And I've been playing it for months before Rhonda started playing it. So, and what card game did you say you were playing or board hand game? Of, hand and foot. It's a rummy game, right? Yeah, it's oh. kind of yeah. It's kind of like rummy with two decks. 
Oh, okay, yeah. okay. Yeah. Got at least four people. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Very cool. I love always hearing about new new versions of card games. People are so creative. I hear Bridge is making a comeback. Our nephews. Oh, wow. Bridge. I know. I have friends who play Pinnacle. Yeah. My parents played Pinnacle. Did you have to have a special, like... You have to have a special deck, yeah. It's got special cards. It was always really disappointing growing up when I would find Pinnacle decks and not regular cards. <laughs> <laughs> you have to have four people to play Pinnacle, so... <laughs> Well, Regina, you know I've been playing Plants vs. Zombies, yes, too. Yes, Ever since you told me that it was free. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Download on my phone. Yes, it's fun, huh? Yeah, are, I mean... Pirates yet, or are you still on Egypt? No, no, I can't. I can't move on until I win every single star. Oh, see, I gave that up. I I, oh, no. I was doing that, and, and I just got... I, I needed to see new zombies, I, and I wanted to see new plants, so I went, I went on to the Pirates. And there's no. flying pirates. I'm just going to say that. Well, of course there are. There were bungee jumping. Yeah, zombies, these guys are so. even more annoying than they were. But... Oh, good grief. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've got to win. I have to win all the stars. And have you not gotten a Yeti yet? I have. I have now, yes. Okay, because I've gotten like four. Yeah. Yeah, I've gotten, okay. I've gotten several. Actually, I, I I just I went back to play it again this weekend, and I hadn't played it since before PAX. And when I logged in, all my coins were gone. You <gasps> earn the kidding. you earn the coin, Sandy, as you're playing, and and it was zeroed out. And I was like, what the what is this? And, oh, I'm gonna have to check it. Yeah. So I so I emailed them. I went and I went to their help, and they said, you know, email here for customer service. They were stored. He's like, just give me an estimate of what you had and we'll restore it. And I'm like, I don't remember exactly what I had. And he's like, well, just give me an estimate of what you think you had and we'll restore it back to your account. And they were in the next day. So, you know, PopCap is fantastic customer service from Brian at PopCap customer support. So never uh, heard of losing your points. I know. I was like, I was devastated. (laughs) And Ryan's been playing. Our editor has been playing. And I was I, I was like online and I'm like, Ryan, Ryan. Are your coins gone? <laughs> Check your coins. Make sure your coins are there, man. Your coins might be gone. <laughs> oh, his, no. coins, his coins were fine, but I think he might have been playing more often than I was. I had been inactive for a while, and I was like, I don't remember this being something that PopCap has ever done, and I played lots of other PopCap games. You don't think anybody hacked in and stole your money or anything? I don't think so. <laughs> there would be a lot more. I, I, I'm assuming they'd have my credit card. <laughs> they yeah, done yeah. That, and I probably would have noticed. <laughs> form of identity theft. I'm yes. going to steal her Regina's Plants vs. Zombies coins. <laughs> when the value of game coins becomes more than your credit card is worth. That just oh, means you have a PhD. <laughs> well, the only other game that I played was Gone Home. And that's that's interesting because I finished it and I've got an entirely different opinion of it once I finished it than when I was playing it. And oh. we we talked about it at talked about it at Dragon Con when the ladies of Leet had me on their show. Right. And Stephanie from Ladies of Leet, oh good, all my coins are there. Okay. <laughs> I thought she sounded distracted, but I wasn't. Yeah, I was checking my phone. I was oh, worried because I got like 10,000. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, the big debate about Gone Home is whether or not it's a real game or not. Oh. And when I got started on the game, I wanted to play it because they were going to talk about it on the show. I'm like, this is very engaging to me. Mm-hmm. And I finished it up this weekend because I wanted to 
get get through a game and I finished it and I was like this is not a game <laughs> and I think it's a complete ripoff I I agree with Stephanie now um, if you want to hear a little bit about the debate it, we had a live podcast at Dragon Con and I think it's one of their latest posts so you can listen to them streaming and um, maybe we can talk about what makes a game again sometime yeah sure I'd love to do that yeah, because yeah. I think I think this was a complete loss. Interesting. But. I looked at it because I saw I was on Steam when I was installing some of the, the new games I got from PAX, and I saw that you had gotten it. And I clicked on it to look at it, and I was like, hmm, I don't. I, and I didn't know what the controversy was, and I hadn't heard much about it. I heard heard people talking about it, but I didn't know it. So, but it was still like twenty bucks. So it's too high. I wasn't ready to put that out for a game that had I didn't know mu- enough about. So yeah, and then next week, um. I'm excited because I'm going to get to play family games again because I'm going to go home, visit my family. So we'll be playing things like Sequence and uh, Mexican Train and uh, Transamerica and all kinds of card games and stuff. I'm very excited. That'll be fun. Yeah. Always a good time. Well, we'd love to hear how you guys have been geeking out this week. You can check us out on Twitter, Facebook, or leave a comment on our website. Before we close out the show, I I do want to ask Sandy um, if you've got any books in the works or what kind of projects you're working on that you can tell us about. Well, uh, just this week, I am releasing a study of one of the Old Testament prophets called Shy with Malachi and uh, one of the lesser studied sections of history. And then uh, my part of my dissertation was a novel, which my my agent is sort of drumming his fingers over. Yeah. So as soon as I can carve out a little bit of time, I will send that off to him. So hopefully within the next two years, you'll be hearing about the Ephesian fragments. Ooh, I like now, that. Now, is that... Uh, is is that coming out of your dissertation work? Well, uh, two thirds of my dissertation was a novel based on the well, the ten the ten years was basically research and backgrounds and all the documentation, and then I wrote a work of historical fiction set in the first century with a female point of view character. An archaeologist finds some ancient manuscripts of interviews with women in the first century. Cool. Mm, that sounds like fun. fun. Yeah, I'm yeah. so excited. Very interesting. Well, you have been listening to Game On Girl. You can find all our social media connections on our website at GameOnGirl.com. I'm the co-host, Rhonda Oglesby. You can follow me on Twitter at RoeRoom, that's R-H-O-R-H-O-O-M, or email Rhonda at GameOnGirl.com. And I'm your host, Regina McMenemy, or Doc Liz with two Zs, as I'm known on uh, Twitter, Steam, and Words with Friends, if you'd like to play <laughs> Words with Friends with me. Uh, deep, deepest, deepest, most sincere thanks to Sandy Glon for coming back on the show. Uh, such a fantastic conversation. I hope you guys enjoyed this as much as we enjoyed recording it, because let me tell you, this was a blast. I always love joining you guys. Thanks for asking. We're delighted to have you. Game on Girls is available on iTunes and Stitcher streaming. These links, along with references made on the show, can be found on our site, gameongirl.com. This podcast is edited by Ryan Broom at Desert Tree Media and the theme song Good Day by Triple Fox is used under a Creative Commons attribution license. Thanks so much for listening and until next time, game on!